0: To I took a picture deep. of it and looked it up. It's like 280. Oh my like, goodness, right? Come on. But like 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 that's, that's not like both Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it was. It was formed. It's like well. I was cradled. <laughs> I had both feet off the ground. No. Levitating? Yeah. You don't touch Thank you. Amen. Mm-hmm. you mm. <laughs> that's the way you say oh, that. that's, <laughs> that. that's the only way. Dude, I'm telling you though, every time, the on the on, the every time you turn someone keeps saying, Yeah, we're working over and pig it. And let I'm let like, I <laughs> every single time, now <laughs> yeah, just, It's all your fault. Yeah. yeah So whenever I do, I want their, like, classic thing. Oh, yeah. So I got the <laughs> I they got beef. over there. They got all the beats. <laughs> <laughs> the beats and tables. <laughs> they got the right. drums. <laughs> <laughs> all the French and fries. <laughs> yeah, give the old... Excellent. Your countdown. Thank you, buddy. Is that Brad? Or just sit down. That works too. Goodness. I'm sorry. You got it up. No. Gracious. Bless you your mouth. Uh, yes. Did you guys get that? Crossover. Oh. That's not good. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's about just sending a sub from the, from the mixer mm-hmm. to set the mix.
1: Tuck, in there? Nick talking there? Check 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 check. Oh there you go. Check 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 check
0: check 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 check
1: check 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 check
0: check 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 check
1: place my feet on solid ground i thank the master i thank the savior because you heal my heart you change my name forever free i'm not the same i thank the master i thank the savior i thank god wandering into the night i want to make that a little bit higher probably i think it sounds good like that like that lower Maybe just just a minute. Coming into the night. a place to hide this weary soul. This vagabond. I try with all my might.
2: I just can't
1: win the fight. I'm slowly drifting. A vagabond. Just when I ran out of the road,
2: I met a man I
1: didn't know. He told me that I was not alone. She picked me up, turn me around, place my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you heal my heart. You changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God lost another one i am free you might need to do that lost another one that's what i'm saying but you need to come over see what that, see what that, see what that. lost another one i am free, I am free. going yeah, to faster, quite a bit faster, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, well, I, I'll put it in there. Yeah. Yeah, we can. Do you need headphones? Because I, I, have, I have some in there that you can. I got you. Do
0: you play the bass? By chance? No. No? How do you want to do miss- that? Johnson? Got Verizon? Has
3: it been hot garbage?
0: Like hot garbage.
3: No, I still have. I can't get off of extended.
1: Oh, because you're not oh, plugged it's
0: unplugged in. in. It's unplugged.
1: You're also not plugged in there. Right
0: here, right? Oh, it's right here. Oh. Oh. I was like, dude, like, it's not doing anything. <laughs> you put it in four. It it's like far it's a bar away from it. There, it hey, there it is. Ah. None of those. I noticed that this morning. No, I did not have it
1: yet. I'm trying to. Where, what do you want? Sanctuary still? Do I not see you? And i I think it's on page one. This vagabond, yeah. yeah, let's speed up just a little bit. I deny what I see, when the fight, I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond, just when I ran out of the road, yeah, hold on, let's, let's go, we're going to have to go a lot faster. Told me that I was not alone. Oh, no. pick me up and turn me around, place my feet on solid ground. Go ahead, give me a just give me a, a four, a four on the floor on that. Uh, yeah, pick me up, turn me around. Yeah, solid, solid kick there for that. That's because this will be a real driving song. Doesn't you go faster? Yeah, Yep. Maybe like a or something Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the toms. Yeah. Yeah, Whoa. exactly like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was perfect. Wandering into the night Wanting a place to hide This weary soul Yeah This vagabond I try with all my might But I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting A vagabond Just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know. He told me that I was not alone. deny what I've seen got no choice but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind so so long to my old friend burden and bitterness you can't just keep it moving Now you ain't welcome here from now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you save my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. Savior, I thank God, yeah, I thank
0: God,
1: yeah, oh, I lost another one, I am, so let's just go to kick now. lost another one i am free i am free oh i am free hell lost another one i am free yeah i am free oh i am free lost another one i am free oh i am free yeah i am free hell lost another one i am Oh I am, yeah, I am free, they lost another one I am I thank God oh, I thank God Oh, I thank God And feel free to hit the cymbals too when you're going through some of the stuff with the toms just to kind of add a little more space with that.
0: You're free to get out of your show.
1: Too won't be for my feelings. I hold fast to what is true. The cross brings transformation. I'll be crucified with you. Your returning glory, all the angels and the saints. My heart will still be singing. Yeah, I might just do G. Just move down to G. I knew that that bridge. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, 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 yes. Hello, yes.
0: hello, 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 hello.
1: Since it's a verse, and then we'll build we'll build big at the end of this. Uh, yeah, you can do like hi hat and snare, and then uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be good. And then we'll we'll build it real big. Get back into that. Oh, Christ be magnified. As we go into that second half, as we go into the second half, then you can start building, and we can build with a with a steady, steady build up, and then we'll go 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 go, and then my song will be the same. Then real big there, you're good. When I look when I look back at you, we'll just go completely out, and then you can start building in as as we sing from that point. Okay, let's do that bridge just real quick one more time. I won't bow to idols, i stand strong in worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings, I will pass to what is true. The cross brings transformation. I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life. If I'll join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you. Get into that Creator God is Yahweh. Just keep a nice, nice tom flow with some crashes in there, and that'd be good for this, for this piece here. Yeah, and then if you want to go real open, on Yahweh, you can go open on that with some, with some uh, tom fill.
0: So let's go from that second first part.
1: Who is standing on the mountain Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll fill out if we do anything else after that one. We'll fill it out if we do anything else after that one, but I, I don't know if we'll be able to do anything. Good.
0: Sweet. Mm. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Is, how's the bass sound out there? Is it okay? No, that's, that's probably good.
0: I'll make an announcement. If you love the bump and bass, you get your butt back
4: there. <laughs> Marvin Gorman in New Orleans, and then they started a church in Gonzales, also. He's got great kids in the ministry. I've known he and Beverly since the early 1980s. Actually, I knew Beverly in the 70s when she went to evangel, and I ate dinner with you and Mark's wife, Gina, one time. And I was full of it, you know. i was tell you what—I had her going. But anyway, uh, they came through revival in the 70s and 80s. She grew up in revival. I mean, where they saw hundreds and thousands of people get saved. And so they're revivalists. And so I can't wait to hear what you got to say. So come on. And he'll be back on Sunday, also, to preach at 10:30. Tomorrow night we have a banquet at 6 p.m., and if you haven't got a ticket, come and see me after because we've already got about 90 people coming on Saturday evening at 6.
3: Amen. Thank you so much. It's a good day. Amen. The word says this is the day the Lord's made, and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. No matter what's taking place in the world or going on around us, we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. You're going to talk to me before the service is over with. i prophesy that right now. I'm from New Orleans. My name is Garland Bilbo and my wife, my traveling partner right here is my best friend. After 41 years of being together, married, two children, four grandchildren, I've got a young my daughter's youngest boy, uh, oldest boy, the Lord's speaking to him now, and um, hold is, boy, four years old, and uh, God's given him, given him insight. The other day he, um, he said the Lord, the Lord just spoke to me, mom, and uh, so they said, what, well, what did he say to you? He said that the world is living in darkness. He said, but I got a flashlight. it's a joy to have a family that serves the lord i don't have to worry about them amen it's good to be here today i was i was trying to remember the last time we were here i think there was a tornado that was coming through i believe wasn't it yeah so let's see what we can stir up tonight I'm going to go into 2 Samuel chapter 6. I have a little bit lengthy on the verses here, and then I'm going to talk a little bit. I'll probably travel through a few neighborhoods before I get on the interstate and uh, begin to run with, with what I feel the Lord has for us tonight. This is a great meeting, great things are coming out of this church. And they're going to continue to come out. And I'll say this, as a person that has gone through transition, you can either make transition easy or you can make transition rough. Make it easy. Just, just know God's up to something good. And transition is good, amen? Sometimes transition is uncomfortable. And those kind of transitions we don't like, but you've got a lot of wisdom in this house that's going to make the transition very smooth. And I appreciate that about our brother here. And so in, in Second Samuel, we find a, a story here where that David, when he moves into the kingdom, the first thing that he does is to get the presence of God back into Israel. The presence of God has been held up for a generation. And the first thing that David does is bring the presence of God or tries to bring the presence of God back into Israel. Let's begin to read here in verse, verse 1. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Can you imagine just in that in itself? It's so powerful to be able to, in a short period of time, have chosen men and the number of 30,000. Something's about to explode. Something's about to take place. And David rose and went with all the people that were with him to Baal to, of Judah. To bring, up the, bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name was called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim's. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart. This was not a milk cart. My mind is that David probably built the best cart that money could buy because he really honored God. He had a heart for God. In fact, God said, he's a man after my own heart. And so in my mind, I'm not trying to put something in here, but in my mind, this new cart was not an old milk cart, it was something that had value to it, and brought it out of the house of Abinadad that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Eo, the sons of Abinadad, drave the new cart. And they brought they brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was in Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Eo went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manners of instruments made of fir wood and various different types of uh, materials that was probably the finest instruments that could be there. Verse 6 says, and, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the place, called the name of the place, Pirazut to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him, unto the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obadidim the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obedidim, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obadidim's house and all his household. Somebody say, the Lord's going to bless my house. And it was told King David saying, the Lord hath, has blessed the house of Obadidim and all that pertaineth to, unto him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obadidim into the city of David with gladness and it was so that when they 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 that bear the ark of the lord had gone six paces he sacrificed oxen and fatlings and david danced before the lord with all his might and david was girded with a linen ephod so so david and all his house all the house of israel brought up the ark of the lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet and the ark of the lord came into the city of david Micah, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she was displeased with him in her heart. And David brought the ark of the Lord and set it in place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. There's a comment that I want to make here is that it's difficult to know what the right thing to do it's difficult to do the right thing when you don't know what to do how many times in our life we have opportunities of God that come through our way but yet we don't recognize it and we don't understand what's taking place and it's hard to do something that you've never been exposed to David at this time never was exposed to carrying the presence of God. He he didn't understand the proper manner or the proper way of carrying it, but yet he was doing the right thing, but he didn't know how to do it. In our life, there are many things that happen, many things that take place in our ministry. Bev was born in ministry. I came along and was an electrician for many years and came along and my father-in-law called me one day I was working offshore and and uh, he called me he says hey he said I've got a a place that uh, I think that you need to be a part of and I want you to come and work for the ministry and I kind of chuckled inside and said you know one thing is I don't want to be in ministry the next thing is I don't want to be working for family working for family can be difficult at times Because family expects more out of you than they would other employees because you're living in that place. And then when you get in a church environment, people expect more out of the preacher's children than they do their own children, and they become critical of them. It's interesting how our church world is so messed up. So in our life, there are times that we... Don't know what to do, and yet we find ourselves doing the right thing, and we don't know how to handle it. Bev and I had, had the privilege many times of going to different revivals, different meetings. My father in law had a, a, a revival just about all the time. People were getting saved all the time. It was nothing to have two or three hundred people at the altars accepting Christ as a Lord and Savior, and it was nothing to have miracles in those same services. I was raised in that environment. I started going to his church when I was 8 years old and, and saw these things as I began to grow up. And it's interesting, Bev and I were talking about this on the way up here, that it's interesting how that, that when you're raised in that environment, if you don't watch, it can become commonplace for you. You can, you can look at the presence of God as just being a piece of furniture. This is what was taking place here when when it was at Abinadad's house. His sons grew up with the ark or the presence of God and they viewed it as just another piece of furniture. And for that whole generation, they did not understand the value of what was in their house. I, I think that in our world today, and I say in our world, in our church world today, that we have two generations. We've got... We've got one generation that has grown up with it, and we have another generation that is trying to find where it's at. And so until those two generations begin to merge together, it's going to be hard for that for that second generation because they know that there's more to God than what they're experiencing, but they don't know what to do. You can work with somebody that doesn't know what to do, but it's hard to work with somebody that knows they're doing wrong and does not want to change. You can look at Saul. Saul had had, uh, many times in his life uh, had an opportunity to change. Samuel comes along and brings him to a company of prophets and begins to cause him to prophesy with the prophets. So he had an opportunity to step into a dimension or into a realm of the spirit to actually become prophetic in his own walk and he would have been a prophetic king, but yet he chose to do wrong in the midst of when God was trying to get him to do right. The dangerous people that you have around you in your life are people that are doing wrong, and they know they're doing wrong. Making any sense what I'm saying here? In our life, Bev Bev and I, we... We have had the privilege of speaking at Brownsville's revival at the pastors' conferences. Bev traveled with the women, uh, women in the women ministry in that group, and so we were exposed to not only my father-in-law, but when we had opportunities. We went and were exposed to various different other ministries that were having a move of God. And I sat there when we were on the platform at Brownsville, and I watched what was taking place. Now, it did not look like, in a lot of reflections, like what was happening in my father-in-law's church, but there was the same end results that was taking place. Many times in our life, we, we look and we gauge things based upon our own experiences, and we expect God to do the same thing of what we imagine him, imagining him to do, and he does something different. What do you do when God goes silent? What do you do when, when he's not speaking? I, I, I go back to Genesis and begin to look at Adam and Eve when they were created in the image and the likeness of God and they were placed in a garden and, and God walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day and gave them instructions and yet Adam was so prophetic And we find in the New Testament we got a a scripture that begins to cover that, and he begins to speak over the animals and begins to name the animals, and even today the names that he spoke over them are still the names that they carry today. I can imagine him going through the through the, the garden and he's saying, You're a lion, you're a tiger, you're a bear, you're a rat, you're a mouse, you're a spider. And going through, and today we still have the same, the same uh, words or the same names that these animals carry. So in the presence of God, he begins to open up veins that you're able to see what he wants you to see. So you can begin to speak what he wants you to speak over those things. But many times in our life, because we, when we hear things... We only can interpret those things that we hear based upon our life experience or who we are. Maybe it's through pain. Maybe it's through problems. Maybe it's through struggles, how we interpret the things that God is saying. But when God goes silent on you, what do you do? Adam is meeting with God at the cool of the day. And then all of a sudden, through through an event that took place, he now begins to forfeit his position and is now thrust out of the garden. And from that point, you never see God speaking or giving any reference to him speaking to Adam again. How do you function when you're not hearing God speak? The next time you hear God speak, and, and you begin to see there's a, a time frame from Adam to Noah's about a thousand years and 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 from the time that they started calculating or taking record of people of their living, you find that Adam lives one hundred and thirty nine years. Can you imagine living for one hundred and thirty nine years, not hearing the voice of God, not hearing instruction, not hearing? Uh, that he loves you, not hearing that he cares, not hearing, it just total silence. But the next time you hear God speaking, he's speaking to Cain. He's not speaking to Abel, which is the good boy. He's speaking to Cain, which is the one that's jacked up. And he comes and speaks to him and says, if you do, if you do, if you do good, if you do what's right, you will do well. The second time you hear him talking to Cain, He's asking him, where's your brother? And Cain responds with a horrible response. Disrespectful. Am I my brother's keeper? And you wonder why why wasn't God speaking to Abel in this thing? Why, Why is he silent in that area, but yet when he chooses to speak, he speaks to Cain. There's a lot of things that maybe we don't understand or don't. We'll never grasp. But my question for us is, when God goes silent, what do you do? Paul begins to speak and, or, or begins to deal with his son Timothy, and he tells his son Timothy, he says to him, war a good battle, fight a good fight, war this thing with the word that you have already received. There are people that are traveling all over the world right now just to get a word, just to get something from God. They're trying to hear a word from God, and they'll travel all kinds of places, turn on the television to find their favorite prophet and hear him prophesy. And, and, and all of this is taking place in our world. And I say, why can't we hear God ourselves? God's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to every one of us. If we'll just get close enough, if we'll just tune in to hear what he has to say, he will speak to your heart. He'll speak to you. He'll give you direction for your life. He'll confirm things of where you're going. And, and, and when, you hear, when you do get around someone that begins to prophesy, he's going to confirm what you have already heard. Now, I don't have a problem with prophets. I, I think prophets are wonderful. I, some, my best friends are prophets. Prophets. Had the privilege of being around Kim Clement. In fact, in fact, he he. The reason for the beard. Listen, I'm just joking here. My wife, my wife told me. She says, "Baby, she said it's getting a little bit out of hand here." She says, "If you don't start trimming that thing, the people are gonna think you're homeless." And I'm saying, "We'll work for food. Feed me, baby." <laughs> So, Kim began to prophesy to, to me about Hurricane Katrina, and in that he says, Moses, my servant Bilbo. So, anyway, the Moses thing is coming, and I'm just joking. So, so, let's look at four different categories here. Number one, doing the wrong thing, and you don't know you're doing the wrong thing. When somebody's doing the wrong thing and they know they're doing the wrong thing. Number three, when you're doing the right thing, but you don't know you're doing the right thing. There's a lot of things that we're not taught coming up. There's a lot of of things that we don't have imparted into our life. We go to impartation services to, to receive, you know, and, and all that's good, it's wonderful, I'm going to be there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some impartations, I'm going to receive what God has for me. But it doesn't answer some of the questions of how do you do some of the things that you're feeling inside you need to do. And you can be doing the right thing and not even know you're doing the right thing. I can remember years ago, my father-in-law, he had turned the services over to us. We were youth pastors, and he said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start doing some cell groups, some Bible studies, and we want you, to take, you and Bev to take the Sunday night services. And so we were glad to take it. I was looking for an opportunity to preach, to sharpen my, my giftings, to sharpen my, my mind, to be able to, 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 to interact with people by nature i don't like people so i don't know why god called me to be a pastor but anyway he's got me there and that's what we're doing so i'm having to sharpen that i'm having to work on me and so here we are we're preaching and and then all of a sudden we've got a house full of witches and warlocks how do you deal with witches and warlocks that are coming to try to interrupt your services well the first thing you start doing is miracles to get their attention. One guy comes in, he sits on the side, and, and he, he is trying to disrupt some things. I put the microphone down in the middle of my message. I walked in the back. I said, I know why you're here. I said, you can chant. You can do all of the stuff you want to do back here. Just don't interrupt the people that are around you. I said, we got a deal? He said, yeah. And he was totally baffled at me coming, saying, you can chant in church. You can do your stuff in my church. Just don't bother the people around you. But I'm telling you, my God's bigger than your God just like a little kid. You know, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. My God's bigger than your God. (laughs) And so he's back there doing his thing, and we've got a gentleman that comes down in a wheelchair. His wife and his daughter rolls him down, hasn't moved for 17 years uh, from his waist down. We start laying hands on him, and now all of a sudden his legs begin to move. I'm looking out the peripheral vision of my my sight here, and I'm watching this man, which his name was John, get up and begin to look what was going on. And the more that we prayed, the more that this guy's legs begin to move. The mom, the the wife begins to break down crying. The daughter's weeping. So something's really happening here. And, And all of a sudden, he comes down. The warlock comes down to the altar here just to look and see what's going on. I was locking up the church after everything was over with and got everything locked up, went outside. And John is walking up and down the sidewalk, holding his head. He said, and I can hear what he's saying. He said, nothing's working. Everything's going wrong. I went behind him. I said, John. I said, man, I'm so glad you came today. How do you like the service? He looked at me like I was half crazy. I said, hey, man, why don't you come back? He said, oh, I'll be back. And I knew the game was on. He brought somebody with him. I'm in my office, which was on the opposite side of the sanctuary, away from it, and I smelled them when they walked in the door. I smelled those demon spirits as they walked in. I told Bev she was in the office. I said, he's here. I got up off of my my seat, past my desk, walked out, and I got up to the foyer of the church, and two gentlemen are standing there, and I reached out to shake hands with them. And one man turned loose, ran out the door. I thought he was like a, running like a scalded rabbit out there. Run across the, uh, the the road that was there. And I'm looking, and John said, where's he going? I said, John, just let him go. You come on in church. I get him in. We have miracles that's taking place in that service again. I invited him back. He comes back to the service, and we're preaching ministering. He gets up out of his seat, comes down to the front, and he says, I want to know the God you serve. Amen. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and about three weeks later, I get a phone call from his sister wanting to know, who is it that prayed for my brother? Well, who's your brother? Well, he was a warlock. His name was John. He come to the church to disturb things. He said, but your pastor prayed him into the kingdom of God, and I just wanted to say thank you to the pastor that prayed for him. I got on the phone, I got on the phone with her and she began to explain to me how he went around to all the different churches to bring bring an interruption in the service. She said you're the only one that confronted that spirit. She said I'm a believer. My brother when he was younger drifted away from God and went into the occult. She said, "But I want to thank you because he's in heaven today." I said, "What? She said, yeah, last night he passed away. I wonder sometimes if I would have never confronted that spirit when it came into the room where John would be. God had an appointment for him. God has appointments for people that are in your life that come around you and you have to be ready at all times. You have to be instant in season and out of season. There's no vacation for a believer. There's no vacation for a minister. You have to be ready to deal with the situations. And I mean, deal with it in love. Have peace in your life and deal with it in love. Know who you are. So when you know, know you're doing things right, but you don't know what to do in that. We've, we've seen a lot of things in ministry, and if you've been in ministry very long, in especially in a Pentecostal environment where the Spirit's moving, you're going to see some things. We've seen young people come to the altars that were demon-possessed. I, I can remember and tell you, and I don't know why I'm going here. None of this is on my nose, but, but, but uh, about a 140-pounder lift me up off of the ground with one hand. I'm not no little boy. I'm what they call a fat boy. <laughs> Picked me up off the ground with one hand. I knew we were, we were having a little bit of a problem, a little conflict began to come into the room there. And we begin to deal with that and begin to cast that devil that was in him out of him, and he was set free. You see, I believe that we're about to move into a time where that we're going to see more and more of these things taking place and more and more of the occult coming into the church, not to take over the church, but they're going to be set free from the bondage that they're in. I'm talking about America. I'm not talking about third world countries. I'm talking about here in America. If, you, if you're paying any attention to what's going on in our world, you see that the occult has now taken, taken the forefront on the stage and they're not ashamed of what they're doing. But God, he's still on the throne and he's still using people that are willing to be used by him. I want to move along here in my, in my notes here. When you're doing the right thing, and you know you're doing the right thing, that's the moment. If you and if you're a pastor or or, or or a missionary, listen to this: you're building systematically, you're working slowly, you're building towards a desired end. And anytime you're doing the right thing with the desired end in mind, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. For it to manifest itself. So if you're growing an oak, it's going to take some time. But if you're growing a weed, it's going to come up overnight. And then when the sun comes up, the test begins to reveal the root system. Get your roots deep. Get it deep into the word of God. Have a relationship with God. Have a prayer life that you can go into the throne room at any moment, any second. You don't have to have your favorite song sung. You don't have to have your favorite preacher. You don't have to have your favorite verse. You can enter into the presence of God at a moment's notice. You can enter in and begin to intercede and begin to pray for those things that are around you to bring change. I think we're living in a time right now that is very interesting. A lot of people are wondering, are we in the end times? Or are we in the end of time? Either way, according to your own faith, so be it to you. But how do you function when God is silent? Adam knows everything. He knows everything and, and knows how to name everything. He's now putting things in order. He's got structure taking place. He's now labeling things. He's now putting things in, in place so that the next generations that are coming will know what those things are and know how they function. So not only is he building structure, but he's giving functionality to it. And then all of a sudden we would find that he does something that's so horrific that gets him cast out of the garden, he's now at a place that he don't know anything anymore. And from then till now, we're still trying to figure this thing out. We're trying to move into a place to recover what was stolen or what we have forfeited. The only, the only way that you can, you can move to a place where, where you're hearing the presence of God is to get into the presence of God. I hear, I hear a lot of people, and, and I'm going to just talk about this for a moment. Uh, a lot of ministers will say to me, I wish that I can go back to the way it was. I wish I could go back to what I used to have. I, w- I wish I could go back to the place of what I used to be able to do. But because something entered into my life, it's now thrown me out of that garden. And I don't know how to get back into that garden again. Some that have, have had cities given to them in their hand. But because of a foolish thought or, or fu- 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 foolish, a fu- foolish gesture. And they adhered to those things. They forfeited their position. And everything went silent. Can you imagine for 139 years, Adam saying, I wish I would have never listened to Eve in that moment, trying to pass the buck to her, When in all reality, he had just as much power in him to say no to her. It's interesting how that will lay blame on other people and not take responsibility for our own action and the deception that came into our life that caused us to lose what God was trying to do in our life. We lose things many times because we don't know what we have. If you don't know what you have, ask God to open up your eyes that you can see and understand. God, give us wisdom to handle a move of your, of your spirit. Give us understanding of where we are in the move. We can have a prayer meeting and, and, and service goes well and all of a sudden, We're at the closing prayer, but then God decides he's going to step into the room at the closing prayer. But we're too interested in getting out that we miss the move of what he's trying to bring in. We want everything quickly, fast, and in a hurry. And there's sometimes there's things that you can't get quickly, fast, and in a hurry. There's sometimes you have to wait upon the Lord. And he comes in and renews your strength. Am I making any sense? You, everybody, tracking with me here? So, so here he is in a situation that overnight things begin to change. He he don't know what to eat. He don't know where to go because he's finding that now there's thorns and thistles that are that are coming up out of the ground and vines that that is making him sick if he eats it. What do you do in the midst of those things? And so there's nothing to eat because he's got to learn that there are some bad weeds that are coming up and he don't know which ones are good and which ones are bad. So now he's having to experience the good and the bad or the good versus the bad. And now he's having to relearn to label things that are good and things that are bad. I don't know, maybe sometimes we don't think about what happened in his life and what took place. We read the scripture, and he's out of the garden. What's happening in his life right now? He's having to relearn everything. But prior to that moment, he's having an encounter with God, and God's downloading to him everything that he needed to sustain that garden. In Genesis, God begins to speak to Cain, and we find that, that Cain is so belligerent, and he begins to insult God's presence. We find that in this there is a God begins to speak. We we find that uh, learning how to interpret what God says becomes difficult. How do you interpret what God is saying? How do you how do you understand what direction he's bringing you in. Do we interpret it based upon our lifestyle or or our life experiences or our own pain? Many times we try to interpret God by what he's saying through our own pain, and we miss what God's saying because we don't have the clarity that we need to have. So we receive words in our life We receive direction in our life, and we're trying to interpret what God has plainly spoken to us, but because we're allowing all of the pain that has happened in our life to filter those words that have come, we misinterpret what God is saying. I heard a story about a a gentleman that um, that heard three W's, and so his interpretation was to build churches— and three different cities that started with W's. It could have been that he was hearing a, a word that was talking about the world wide web. But because he did not know how to interpret or did not understand what he was seeing, he now takes it on himself to interpret and to build something and in, uh, raise something up that probably wasn't even what God wanted. You say, well, this is not a very encouraging word that you're going through right now. It's going to get there. We're going to get there. When God is literally moving, when God's literally moving, knowing what to do when you have a literal move of God is very important. What do you do when God is moving? I'm in a move of God in New Orleans right now. And I'm thankful for the experiences that I've had so that I can manage what God is doing in New Orleans and in Gonzales. We've got a move of God that's taking place. People are, are falling out under the presence of God. The praise and worship is incredible, very, very similar to what you're having here. And people are entering in. The new people are entering in, and the old people that have been there for a while are just looking around at what's happening because this is strange to them when they have the same opportunity to step into the presence of God and encounter and experience what God is doing. So I'm looking at this thing, and I'm getting tickled a little bit because it's causing some people to ruffle their feathers because somebody else is getting their seat. What do you do in the midst of a move of God? How do you manage it? How do you work it? What do you do with the prophetic that comes forth and begins to define and direct where you are, who you are, and where you're going? I think, I think, I think as, as a believer, we need to begin to observe what God is saying and begin to entreat those things and begin to cherish those things because there's a lot of people that have lost what God was doing and now they're wishing they would have recognized it when it was there. You have a move of God that's taking place in your midst. You get the, a presence of God that's taking place here recognize the move of God and move with it. And when the cloud begins to stir, begin to move with the cloud. When the presence of God begins to move, if he's moving on this side, I wouldn't want to be sitting on that side. If, he sit, if he's moving on this side, I'm going to get up from this side and I'm going to get with the presence of God. you catching what I'm saying here. I want the presence of God more than anything else in my life The value of the presence of God, not a religious encounter, but a relationship with God that brings me into the throne room of God to understand who I am and what I am anointed to do and what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I don't have that in my life, I need to get around somebody that can see in the realms of the spirit and give me some comfort and give me some instruction and begin to speak to me and say, everything's okay. You're doing it right. You might not know what you're doing. Make some adjustments here and then begin to carry on. You see, I believe that church doesn't need to be typical. We need a visitation of God. Jacob, Jacob said, I was in the house of God, and I didn't even know it. How do you recognize the presence of God when everything in the world is putting pressure upon you? Look, you don't have to go very far. All you have to do is turn on your favorite newscast and they're going to bring oppression right into your room. They're going to bring fear right into your living room, and they're going to stoke it, they're going to stoke it, and they're going to stoke it until you turn it off. How in the midst of all turmoil do you find the voice of God that you can follow? Let's look at some things here. Squandering a move of God. And so you get a chance to go over into the promised land. And God gave Abraham as a promise 700 years before, before they entered in. And now you cross into the land and the spies come back, two with a good report and the rest with a bad report. To the point where that there is a change or a shift that happens that none of them go in for 40 years because of the opinion and how they interpreted what God had promised them. They looked at the giants being more powerful than the presence of God. If God says you can do it, then, buddy, you can do it. If God says you can take that city, then take the city. Don't allow anything that that you can interpret being bigger than God to stand between you and what God has promised you. If God says you can start that business, start that business. If God says you're going to get married, get married. If God says you're going to have a baby, have twins. Why do we hold back and we look and measure what God is saying based upon the conditions that are around us? God's looking for somebody that is going to look at the promise that he has given to you and go for your promise instead of allowing the issues of life to stand in the way in a time where God is looking for people to do what he's calling them to do. This is making sense. Okay. S- sometimes, sometimes I wonder if I'm making any sense. So I want to go into just a little bit of communication. The topic of communication. We're going somewhere. Just hang with me a little bit, and, and we, we, we're going to take this jet, and we're going to take off in a minute. Communication. Communication is is very vital. There's four characteristics of communication. And anytime time we're addressing any group, we can recognize that whether they're children or whether they're board members or whether they're, they're parishioners, we have four different levels of understanding in the same room. So we find that in Scripture where that God begins to give us in the New Testament a Scripture that tells us that we have the weeded areas, we've got the stony areas, we've got all this, and then we have the fertile ground. So in that, there's four different categories that we can look at and understand that in my communication, I can be dealing on any one of these levels depending on who they are. Now, Bev and I, we're, we're, we're empty nesters. We've been empty nesters for a while. So we communicate around the house all day long. We're talking. We're talking at the table. We're talking in the kitchen. We're talking, making coffee. We're talking. But when the kids were home, our place of talk was in the bedroom. The things that we talked about in the bedroom was intimate speech that we had with one another. That was something that didn't get out with our children, even though my family is very close. We're a very close-knit family. So we've got a son and we have a daughter. and, And when we come out of the room, those things that we discussed in the room stayed in the room. We didn't bring it to the kids. There's some things you don't need to bring to your kids because they're not on the level of that intimacy that they need that that you need to speak to them everything that's going on. There's some things your children don't need to worry about. There's some things they don't need to understand or what you're battling with and what you're worrying about. That's intimate talk that we have here. So so we had intimate talk. We had intimate talk with one another, and then we came out, we had dealt with business at the table okay so you've got intimacy you've got business you've got social and you got peripheral communication a board a chur- churches have boards and so when there's a board meeting that's intimate communication intimate communication it's sad to say that we have a uh, non-disclosure uh, deals that we have to sign uh, just because there's some people that have big mouths they don't, they don't understand that what's intimate doesn't need to go broadcast to everyone until it's time to broadcast those things. So when you're in a board meeting, you come and you work things out. And then when it's time to bring that thing forward, then you go to the business level and say, we need to work out a budget because this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And this is what we're going to make happen. And then after it goes to that level of people, then it goes into the congregation. So the congregation doesn't need to know what's going on in the boardroom until it's time for that thing to be birthed. Then the city begins to see what's going on, and that's the peripheral communication because what happens inside the house is going to get out in the community. Am I making any sense here? So those four levels of communication begins to take place in in our world. So when you're dealing with children, you've got to understand that there's some things they can't handle, and you have to raise them up in a way. My son says this very well. He says, I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults. They might be children right now, but I'm imparting into their life that when they get to the age of being adult, they can act like adult and and put their game boy down. Y'all quiet. So you have wayside people, and you have to spend more time with wayside people because you want wayside people to be productive too. So I have to take time in explaining things of how it's going to go forward. Making sense. This is in any communication that we have in a broad-based area, no matter where we are, I think that pastors, I think that school teachers have a great responsibility in also looking at children that are coming through and speaking into their life and bringing the best out of them to become what God's called them to be and seeing something in them before they can even see their lunch. You can see their future before they can even see their lunch and you begin to prepare them to get into the place that they can fulfill what God has for them in their life. Making sense. I keep saying making sense, and I'll say that several more times in this message. So there's intimate communication, there's business communication, there's social communication, and there's peripheral communication. So, so, so when we look at this, we begin to say, you know what? I'm going to operate on all four of those levels, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to impart, and I'm going to do what I need to do on each one of those levels. My children understand Where are we going in life? They understand how to conduct themselves in life. But I find that because of their education and because of the things they're learning, they're accelerating in their life far greater than what dad could ever accelerate. So what they're doing is they're using our shoulders to launch their life to a greater measure of what God has for them. But if I don't teach them on the level that I understand, then they're going to have to find out how to, find, how to get to the place where I am. And they're wasting years by doing that when I can impart into their life to help them understand how to hear, how to see, how to understand the things of the spirit. I wish I wish someone would have sat down with me and said, this is how I see. This is how I hear so that I can understand something that I really haven't seen before. Instead of having to go through the school of hard knocks, I think I would be further along than what I am right now if someone would have just sat down and talked to me. So I sat down with every prophet that comes into our life, and I asked him, how do you hear? How do you see? I'm sitting down with Kim Clement right across the table. We we're at a barbecue, and I'm sitting across the table, and I'm asking him the same question I asked every other prophet that I was around. How do you hear? How do you see? How do you understand what God's saying? Why? Because I'm trying to learn something that's going to bring me into a dimension that I know is available for me, but I don't know what it looks like. So there has to be that physical impartation of understanding, not just the laying on of hands. So you have a school of ministry, and the school of ministry teaches the details of what to expect and not to expect in ministry and how to handle certain things. Making sense? There we go again. Somebody counting how many times I'm saying that. I want to step to this area here and deal with the premise of prophecy and begin to show you some things how that prophecy has three stages to it. Prophecy has a birthing stage, it has a growing stage, and then it has a harvest stage. So when a word has been spoken, it's birth, something is spoken, something's going to happen, something's going to change every one of us, according to the Word of God in the New Testament, that we have the ability to prophesy. It says that there, there are times with that you're looking at stuff and it doesn't to, doesn't appear the way that you've heard it, so you can actually Speak to those things as though they were, not the way that they are. Speak to them as though it's going to be and not how it appears. That makes sense what I'm saying. I said it the opposite way earlier. But when you start prophesying, and that's prophesying, you're prophesying something into existence to existence to change the atmosphere so it begins to move things around, and the same old, same old is not staying there in place. The Bible speaks to us and says, If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain, and the mountain shall obey you. You can speak to the sycamine tree, and it shall be uprooted. You can speak, speak to that tree, and it shall be cast into the sea. So it tells us that we have power within our tongue to speak life or to speak death, but we begin to speak life to our situation to begin to change our world that we're living in. We need more people speaking to the situations of our life that America is not going down the tube. America is not over with. It's not finished. It's not final because we're prophesying and saying about this time tomorrow, things are going to change. Yeah. We had a lady come into our church the other day and, and uh, I didn't know what was going on with her. Beginning to prophesy to him and I said, about this time tomorrow, things are going to change, not knowing that they were going to uh, a children's hospital to have the children interviewed because the father of these children has been molesting them and the mother was running not not wanting the father to 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 be able to take care of them or to take them on a visitation because of what was going on so I began to prophesy I didn't know what I was saying but I said tomorrow about this time things are going to change and I looked up at the clock and I said it's 1120 right now and 1120 the next day the doctors came in and said we've got enough evidence to put this guy under the prison about that time it changed So we release something, it's birth, and there's times that it has to grow, and then there's a harvest. Let's look at some things that have taken place in Scripture where that we see there's a word that has been spoken Uh, in in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, covers that when when you have the ability and the anointing to call something that is not as though it already is, we call that in a church a word of prophecy. But just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. But all of us are to prophesy. Making sense? Shake your head and say, I agree with you. We speak and watch, and it will come to pass. So you can get you can get a Richard Williams, which has two daughters, and begin to speak over their life, handing them a tennis ball and saying, when you're older... You're going to win the Wimbledon and begin to prophesy into their life. It's innate in human nature to prophesy, to speak something, to declare something, to decree something and watch it change. What's, what are the things you're speaking over your life? What are the things you're speaking over this community? What are the things you're speaking over Mexico, over uh, Guadalajara, over the various different places that you live and you minister? What are the things that you're speaking over that? And how long is it going to take for it to grow and begin to bring you the harvest? Let's look at some things here. I I think this is interesting as I begin begin to look and research some of this in Genesis 20. Uh, verse 7, uh, it begins the first mention of prophet and prophecy. So we begin to see that, that uh, Abraham is, is called a prophet in this passage here. And, and, and we begin to understand that there are prophets. It doesn't mean that he just became a prophet. He was probably doing what he was doing all the time, and it was in him to change barren land to become fertile ground. It was in him Already, but then all of a sudden there's a word that comes to him that he now understands and knows where he's going. He might not know what to do, but he knows the direction he's going in, and God begins to give him instruction along the way. And we find that these promises that God had given, some of them came years later. In Genesis 20, verse 17, does that mean that, that um, it, it did not exist? Because prophecy and prayer were existing way before it was ever mentioned. So just because a word comes, it doesn't mean that now is the time that that starts. It, what it means is now is the recognition of what's already in you yeah. to fulfill that that God's called you to fulfill. And now what you didn't know and what you didn't recognize, now you're able to recognize so that you can manage What God has entrusted in your hand. Making sense. All right. So as Christians, we then have the wonderful opportunity to prophesy. Every single person can do this according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and has the right to prophesy. But the fact that you prophesied doesn't make you a prophet. It just means that you prophesied. Making sense. So when, when, a, when a prophecy then is released out of your mouth, when you call something that is not as though it already is, the minute you do that, you're setting in motion something that's coming for the future. Sometimes we wonder. I've had, I've had prophetic words that have been given to me by notable prophets, and it hadn't come to pass yet. But then when I look at scripture, I look at Peter, and the word came to him from Jesus, and it says to him, when you, while you are young, you can go and come as you want to, but when you're old, someone is going to lead you by the hand. So when he gets thrown in prison, and now the, 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 the Pharaoh of that time, or the person that's, that's in charge of that time, is going to kill him after Easter, he now goes to sleep between two guards. Why? Because he knew his time wasn't up. Because the prophetic word says, when you are old, someone is going to lead you to the next place that you're going to minister to. And he knew that he wasn't being led around by his hand at that point. So he was able to lay down, rest, and understand that his time wasn't up. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to happen. But when that word was released, something was birthed and began to mature. And it got to the place where that, that man couldn't answer it. The angel of the Lord had to come in and fulfill the word that, God, that Jesus had spoken to him in time past, telling him, when you're old, you're going to be led around by your hand. So it was hard for the angel of the Lord to wake him up, so he had to push him on his side and say, get up, boy. And he then fulfilled the word later. When people were leading him around. So he was able to rest. So a word given to you can bring comfort. It can bring bring the ability to fight for your life. And fight for your territory. And fight for what God has already spoken. And understand that no matter what's taking place. Your time is not up. Because you haven't fulfilled the word that was spoken over your life. So as a believer, we need to understand how to fight a good fight of faith, knowing that the word is going to be fulfilled. It might take a little bit more time for it to mature and to grow, but there's coming a point that you're going to receive a harvest from that word that you received. Now let's look at some things here. Uh, Paul begins to speak to Timothy, tells Timothy to fight a good fight with the words that, had, with the prayers, the words that have been given to him by not only Paul but his grandmother and his mother Eunice. So he's having to fight a fight with us. <clears throat> I believe. I believe in this building that there are unusual miracles that are in this place, present, ready. To meet you where you are, it takes faith to reach out and grab those things and bring them into your life. Making sense here, so so in Genesis ch- uh, uh, chapter three verse fifteen, God says the first family that uh, you guys messed up. Talking about talking about uh, uh, Moses here, Moses and his and his family. Uh, Begin to find where that. Moses has some conflict with his brother and his sister. And, and we understand that all three of them were prophets. You find in Exodus that it say, that it says to, to Moses, I'm going to make you a god in their eyes. But to Aaron, I'm going to make him your prophet. So we know that Aaron was a prophet. And then we see when Miriam comes across and she's beating her tambourine, knocking some sense into that tambourine as people are floating and they're praising and they're worshiping. And they call it refers to her as a prophetess. So we know that there are three prophets in this one family. But then... God comes down and says, we're going to have a family meeting here because your perception of the prophet that you're talking about, Moses, is not the prophet that you think he is. To to prophets, I give dreams and visions, But to Moses, I speak to him face to face. So there are different levels of prophets. Everybody needs a face to face prophet in your life. Why you need a face-to-face prophet in your life. Because when you've got a face-to-face prophet in your life, whatever that prophet begins to agree with and declare over your life, it is going to come about. It is going to happen. And it can help bring direction in your life of where you need to go and the adjustments that you need to make in your life when you don't know what to do with what God has given to you. You're doing the right thing, but yet you're doing it the wrong way. So we know we're going in the right direction, but we need to make some adjustments so that we can cause our management and our structure to line up with what God's will is in the purpose and what he has for us. That makes sense what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's good, but it's coming out different than what I heard it. <laughs> so, so in this, there's a stirring that begins to take place, and there's a, a pushing that God brings into our life and he begins to push us over the barrier that's preventing us from entering into what God has for us. So we don't give up too soon and we don't move too early. Timing is everything. And I think one of the hardest things to to understand is the timing of the Lord on things. So... We, we find in Genesis 14, verse 13, God spoke to Abraham who who did not have a son and said, to Abraham, out of you are coming a mighty nation and nations will go uh, into slavery in the land. We, we see in Exodus chapter, chapter uh, uh, 12, verse 41, 42. Uh, in, in, somewhere in that region, the Bible says that the sole journey of the children of Israel was 430 years, and the day they marched out of, of the captivity of Egypt was a 1,000 years after God had spoken to Abraham. Can you imagine waiting a 1,000 years for the manifestation of a word that was delivered? Generations. There are some words that have been spoken over your region that were from generations prior that you're probably not even aware of, but you're in the right place doing the right thing at the right time, and the manifestation or the maturity of it comes to a place that you are able to reap the harvest of that word that was given years ago. Hallelujah. Think about it just for a moment. There are some things that we enter into My my son talks to me all the time. Last Sunday, 1,500 in his service. He's having to have five services on a Sunday just to accommodate the people. He's just tearing it up, and he's saying to me, Dad, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing the same thing everybody else is doing, but the people are coming. And I'm going to tell you the reason why is because there were prophetic words that were spoken by ministers, traveling ministers, uh, 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 horse and buggy ministers that were in that region, was prophesying about a move of God that would take place in that region. And he's now reaping the harvest because now it's the maturity date for that prophecy or that word to come about. So here, here, Abraham receives a word, and a thousand years later, this thing begins to manifest itself. They're, they're in captivity for 430 years. And then we see in Judges, chapter, uh, uh, Judges uh, uh, chapter number 6, when Joshua was at the walls of Jericho, and they came down and they saw it marched into the process of the first uh, spoils of the promised land. And then all of a sudden Joshua begins to prophesy and he begins to say the one that builds the wall, the one that builds the gate, uh, the, that your oldest son's going to die and the one that puts up the gate, your youngest son is going to die. And then we find many years ago after that, like 700 years after that, a man comes in to rebuild everything and he builds the wall and his first child drops dead, her first son drops dead. And then he puts up the gate and when he hung up the gate, his, his youngest boy drops dead. I don't think that he had any understanding of what the prophetic word was over that city of Jericho that whoever put up the wall, whoever put up the gate, that it would cost them a lot in their own seed and they would drop dead. Surely if he would have known it, he would not have built it so we've got 700 years later, we begin to find that this prophetic word comes about, comes, comes to fruition, and this man loses his two children. That's a horrible, horrible situation, but what I'm saying is when a word comes forward, there is a birthing date, there is a maturing date, and then there's a harvest time. Now, let's look at this thing here. Numbers uh, 13 and 14, Moses was standing where, 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 uh, uh, in fact, they're close to receiving the promises, and yet so far, God says to uh, to Moses, I love Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb comes back with a good report. Everybody knows the story about that. We we begin to find after that 40 years of them in exile, walking around the mountain and trying to, to, to get all those that that uh, didn't agree with the word that God gave about the promised land to die off. Caleb and Joshua had to walk out with them in that same issue. And when it comes to that 40th year, Caleb comes forward and he says, I'm just as strong today as I was when I went and carried the grapes out of the place. I saw a mountain when I was carrying the grapes out, and that mountain's mine. I want my mountain, and I want it now. So we find that there a prophecy, a prophetic word comes forward, and then there's a release, there's a maturity of that date, and then there's a release, a harvest that comes in, and Caleb and Joshua goes in and receive the harvest of that. Even though many of can you, just imagine this squandering, squandering what God's doing, squandering the word that God's given. There's a promised land that was given to Abraham and now the word is now being fulfilled. thousand years later, they're about to go in and they choose not to go in because of the spies that had a negative report. They're walking around a mountain for 40 years. And the the word says that at a certain age, they would die off. Anything before that date would live. Anything after that date, this is how fine that line is, after that date would die. So if you were born one hour after that date, if you were born one hour before the closing of that date, you're in. This is how close that line is. How close prophetic can get into our life and begin to work on us that it defines who can get in and who's not getting in. I mean, think about it just for a moment. If your birth date was one minute after the time that was prophesied, one minute, oh, come on, man, it's just one minute, one minute. We were were driving in last night, and and we hadn't eaten all day, and Bev got on the phone and said, I'm going to find a place to eat, so she called uh, 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 Applebee's Applebee's gets on the phone and says hey if you're here before 10 15 we'll serve you you can sit down but if you're here at 15 uh, uh, 10 15 le- uh, 9 15 whatever time it was then you're going to have to take it to go and I heard Bev crying on the phone Can't you just, can't you just, please, 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 if we get there, and I'm looking at my GPS, my GPS is telling me two minutes later, so I started pushing on the gas a little bit more, and I I gained some time coming in, you know, so we had, we had five minutes, and so we run in, I said, I'm going to drop you off at the door, so I pulled up over the curb, got by the door, put the door to my bumper, pulled it open, and she jumped in, I went and parked, jumped in, and she said, we got a table. One minute we'd have had to take it to go. One minute, you can't cross over. In fact, in fact one minute, you're going to die with the rest of them. But one minute before that time, you're getting in. Caleb and Joshua are walking around and they're remembering this word. And Caleb now comes and says, look, I'm just as strong as I was before. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I want my mountain. I want it now. There's a word that has been given, that has spoken to you, that confirms in your heart. Give me my mountain. I want it now. I'm not going to wait another forty years. You might, you might be looking at this thing. Look at, look at the Shunammite woman. The, uh, the, the, the prophet comes and stays at the house, and he says, about this time tomorrow, things. Are, uh, uh, not, not that one. Go. To the shooting woman woman, he says, hey, do you want to meet the king? Do you want to meet the nobles? Do you want to meet the different ones? And, and she says, no, I live amongst my own people. And then he starts prophesying, about this time next year, you're going to be holding a child. She says, don't mess with me, man of God. Don't give me a word and get my hopes up, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be messed up later on if it doesn't come about. One year later, he comes back, and she's holding a child. Prophetic word is so powerful when we begin to understand it. Then you have, then you have the Israelites, the people of Israel, they're eating, they're eating their own children. They're eating things that are rubbish. They're eating all kinds of stuff. And a prophet comes up and says, about this time tomorrow, things are going to change. And somebody perks up and says, I don't believe it's going to happen because look at what's going on. And, and the prophet says, it's going to happen. But because you're in disagreement with it, you're not going to participate with it. So everybody else that was in agreement with the word was able to buy some flour, were able to buy some wheat for a shekel, all, all this, about this time tomorrow. My point here is this. It doesn't matter if there's a 1,000-year prophecy, if it's a 700-year prophecy, it's a 70, uh, 70 year, a 40 year, if it's a 70-year, a 40-year, if it's a one-year, or if it's a 24-hour prophecy, hang on to your prophecy and start working your prophecy until you're able to handle it with your hand. In 3 John it says we have heard the word, we have seen the word, and now we have handled it with our hand. We hear the word of God that it comes about. It birthed in our head, it's birthed in our soul, and we see it maturing along the way, and we get to a place that we receive the harvest of that prophetic word. So fight a good fight with the word. Fight a fight of the words that have been spoken over you. And if the devil comes in and says you can't build that business, you tell him step aside because the word of God says I can build that business. and In fact, instead of just building one, I'm going to build two of them. If it's saying I'm going to get married, then get married. If it's saying that I'm going to have children, have triplets. Just multiply that. If God's wanting you to move into a new dimension, move in that dimension and understand that he has the power to fulfill everything that he has spoken to fulfill in your life. So popular love, watch out. Because something's about to happen. Because there have been words that have been spoken over Poplar Bluff many, many years ago. And now it's about to come the harvest time. It's growing. It's maturing. It's getting to the place that we're going to begin to see the presence of God bring the harvest in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in Mexico. It doesn't matter if you're down in South America. I know Mexico's in South America, but it doesn't matter if you're in Europe. It doesn't matter. What matters is the word that has been spoken. And if you never received the word in your life, then look at the Bible. Look at the word. There's a lot of words in there. And if your family's not living for the Lord, there's a word that says my whole household shall be saved. And I'm going to stand on that word and bring that word into fruition. It might, I'm going to begin speak it it's going to take a little time for it to grow and then I'm going to receive the harvest of that and my children are coming in no matter what the devil says. But you've got to learn how to fight. You've got to learn how to praise. You've got to learn how to worship. You've got to learn how to dance in the midst of it. When David was bringing the Ark of the, of the Covenant back, what did he do? He made a sacrifice, and then he danced before the Lord. What did Miriam do? She beat that tambourine until it had some sense, and she began to dance before the Lord. As she saw the bodies of the Egyptians floating in the water, she began to praise him in the midst of it because of a word. Three Hebrew children, when they started seeing Nebuchadnezzar getting stressed out, they began to dance in the middle of the fire. Come on. If the devil is telling you you're about to expire, you tell the devil, I'm going to live, I'm not going to die and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. You stand on that word and start speaking that word over your life, declaring it over your life. Let there be a word that is birthed over you that that contradicts what the enemy is doing. It took a long time just to come to this part. Jesus, Jesus in an intimate moment, takes three of his disciples up to the mountain with him. Nine of them are left down at the bottom. He takes three. And all of a sudden, the, the record states that his body began to glow. There was Moses and there was Elijah. And he's standing before them knowing, knowing his time is coming, whether he's going to die. And he's standing before the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets are in a conversation. And yet the three are hearing the conversation, but they don't understand what's being said. There's sometimes you get into that dimension and God allows you to have a moment that you get a glimpse of the intimate time that somebody else is having with God. You can see it, but you might not understand it. But don't negate it because it's going to manifest itself. And so you have Moses that everything that you do, he, you see him in from the time he was born, he's in the water. He's dealing with water conditions. He's speaking to the water. He's striking the rock and water is coming out. He's, speaking, he's lifting his rod over the water and the water parts and he's a deliverer. We got all this happening. And then you see, you see Elijah where that, that he's caught up in a, a whirlwind of fire. So you've got Jesus standing there with the law and the prophets and they're speaking to him, telling him what is about to happen. He knows when he comes out of their presence that he's going to be crucified. But on his way down, he meets with the other disciples that were left at the bottom of the, of the hill and they're dealing with a man that has a child that's being thrown in the fire and thrown in the water. Jesus now, after having an encounter with the law and the prophets, the water guy and the fire guy, you're finding now all of a sudden he's saying, truly, if the law law and prophets are with me, then I'm going to deliver this child that these devils are trying to kill him with the fire and with the water he begins to speak to the devil the devil comes out of the child and is delivered confirmation that law and the prophets were standing with him that when he went to the to the cross they were going to be with him and he would be resurrected so the words that he received from the Moses and Elijah the law and the prophet are now being fulfilled in his life and he's able to walk with such courage Towards the cross because of a word. If we can just get a glimpse of understanding the power of the word. How it can change your life. And cause you to go through adversity. And bring you out on the other side without the smell of fire but you'll be able to dance in the middle of the fire when you see the Pharaohs of the time being stressed out because what they're saying and what they're doing is not working on the children of God. What is the word that's been given to you? What is the word? I mean, just think about it just for a moment. What's the word that's been given to you? Some people might say, well, I'm getting to the age right now. I need to slow down a little bit. Has the word been fulfilled? You don't need to slow down. You don't need to slow down. You see, the word, the word that's been given in this house is transition, but it's a word to bring you into success on a whole different level. Making sense? Because of a word. Because of a word that's in this man's heart, because of a word that's in his son's heart, because of a word that's in this family, there's gonna be a shaking that's gonna take place in Poplar Bluff that's gonna cause people to come to the kingdom of God. Not to a religious experience, but to an encounter in relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. There's enough religion, and religion is destroying things. Religion is killing things. We need a relationship with God, and we need to understand what the prophets are saying. You got prophets in this house that can prophesy and can begin to speak and say, yeah, you're in the right place, but you might be doing the wrong thing. And if you adjust some things here, it's going to accelerate your life. I wish, I wish, I wish in my time of learning and ministry that I would have had someone in my life in the past that says you're doing it right, your heart's right. But if you change some things here, it's going to cause you to have different exposure there. Making sense? We went to Brownsville. Brownsville opened up a door. Here we are, speakers. I'm a youth pastor at the time. A youth pastor coming to speak to 2,500 senior pastors. In that room, it, there was more forgotten than I had ever learned. And I'm speaking, and we, we're talking and saying, Wow, why us? Why are we being exposed to that? why 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 some of the people that we've been around? Why being exposed to some of the people we've been exposed to? I'm not talking about I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about major people in the kingdom of God. Come and ask us to do some meetings with them. I'm I'm just I'm just a, a little church. Why why us? I wish I would have had somebody to tell me why you're being exposed to all these different ones. I would be further along and I would have paid more attention to the ones that were in my life at the time and drawn out more of them so that I could walk along in a greater dimension. Let me tell you, all you pastors, all you evangelists, all of you missionary people, there are young people that you can impart to. Don't hold what you have Impart it into their life. Give them everything that you've got in, their, in your life and give them more. Let them draw out of you everything that they can draw out of you. I believe in placing a demand on the anointing. The woman that had to issue of blood, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And what happened? Jesus turned and said, somebody touched me and the disciples are mocking him and saying who touched how, how can you say somebody's touching you these people are thronging you they're pushing they're shoving how can you say that he said i felt virtue come out of me somebody pulled out of me what they needed and he found the woman and he said woman your faith has made you whole all you pastors all you evangelists all you missionary people get Get young people around you. Don't turn them away. You get, Let them sit in front of you and let them draw out of you things that you don't even know that's inside of you. Why? Because there's a word in them that they need to fulfill, and they need a fast acceleration in their life so they can meet and to do what God's called them to do in the times that we're living in. And it's not that yours is over with. You're just beginning because there is a crop of young people that are coming up that need people that have a little bit of gray hair. That have a little bit of life experience, that have a little bit of weariness, have a little bit of war that they've been through, that walk with a limit, that limp, that has a few scars in their life, to begin to show them how they can intercede, how they can pray, how they can move into the heavenlies without having the casualties that our generation has encountered. Uh, Well, All this came out different in my mind than what it's come out here. But my challenge for you is this. God, give us the wisdom how to handle a move of your spirit. I wondered, why did Toronto revival slow down? Why aren't people lining up at Brownsville's door right now? What happened? What happened? I think it was bad management. I'm not talking about people. I think that they didn't know what they had and didn't know what to do with what they had. So they tried to school everything they had. And when they tried to school it, it killed the spirit. And when it killed the spirit, everything left. God, give us the wisdom how to handle our city give us the wisdom how to handle the move of your spirit give us the wisdom how to handle the word that you have entrusted in our life so that we can overcome every obstacle and every principality and power that is over our region so we can have an open heaven open up heaven we sing about it open the portals of heaven What do you do when you get it? It's like that little chihuahua chasing a German shepherd down the street, yapping, yapping, yapping. What are you going to do with him when you catch him? What are we going to do with the move of God that is present and in our hands right now? Are we going to treat it from an avenue or from a perspective of pain that we've gone through? Or can we get beyond our pain or our opinion and receive it how God wants us to receive it so we can move with the cloud and allow his presence to fill our life that when people walk in the doors... They're receiving their healings before anybody touches them. They're falling on their knees, repenting before an altar call is made. Why? Because the presence of God in the place, and we have learned how to handle the presence of God and entreat him so that we can have everything he wants us to have and to do everything he wants us to do. We've got to learn how to dance. We've got to learn how to rejoice in the word that we have. Timothy, fight with the word. When you're not hearing God's voice, fight with the word you already have. It's 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 amazing. I'm going to quit with this here. It's amazing how that if we don't have an earthly father to speak into our life. I've got a picture of my dad. My dad passed away. Three and a half years ago, I believe it was, my mom passed away 11 days after him. And I was standing, I was standing over his bed, praying for him. And next thing I know, I feel a hand on my head. And my dad, in his feebleness, began to pray over me. And I'm thinking, as soon as he laid hands on me, God, give me everything that he's saying and God let him go in peace because I knew that in that moment of him releasing in me or on me with his hands that he was about to depart this earth. And it was only minutes after that he went on the glory. But many people don't have a father that can impart and lay hands on them and prophesy over them. But isn't it amazing how that God in the midst of it brings a spiritual father that can prophesy over your life and speak over your life when you didn't have a natural father that understood how to do that or, or didn't have the time or didn't have the ability, didn't have the, the wherewithal of understanding who there was and the importance of imparting into the children. God has a way of bringing your impartation through someone else that can speak into your life and lay hands on you so you can receive a word from the Lord so that you can have something that you can fight the enemy with. I don't know if I did okay in this. I pray that you get what I'm saying. But this one thing I want to leave with you. No matter what's going on in your world, You fight with the word that God has given to you. And you will overcome anything that the world has to give to you. I went to Tennessee to do a wedding. And what I got from Tennessee was COVID. Thought I was having a heart attack. I left there to go see my cardiologist because I thought for sure I was having a heart attack. And then on my way home, I remembered words that were spoken to me about the kind of church that I would have, the size church I would have, things that I would be doing, things that I'd be imparting into people's lives, and I started meditating upon that all the way home and saying, devil, it ain't over. We say this down in New Orleans, it ain't over. It's not over until you give up on the word that God has given to you. Never give up. Never give up on the word. Never give up on the word. Never give up on the word. There's a harvest coming. There's a maturing date, and the harvest is going to come. It might feel like it's been a 1,000 years. It might feel like it's been 700 years. It might feel like it's been 40 years, but there's going to be a day that about this time tomorrow, things are going to change. And some of you that have come to this meeting, When you get home, you're going to see those things that you've been fighting for is going to meet you, and you're going to see miracles begin to take place and manifest itself in a way that all the provisions that you needed is going to come to your door, all the things that you need to establish what God has called you to establish. It's not something that you're going to have to work hard for. It's something that God is going to bring into your life, and it's going to astound you, and you're going to say, we haven't seen it like this before. We haven't seen it like this before. God's about to do... There's, there's miracles in this room right now. Won't you stand to your feet with me real quickly? And lift your hands. And whatever your miracle is, that you need, reach up and get it right now. Reach up and grab it right now. There's angels in the room right now. There are messengers in the room right now that have come to bring messages to you. And I'm telling you, some of you, when you get home, you've traveled a long way to get here. When you get home, there's going to be some creative miracles that's going to be waiting for you. And it's going to start manifesting itself. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word that's in this house that comes from this leadership. I thank you for the power of your spirit that is imparted into each individual as they come in and open their heart in this place. Father, I ask you right now for creative miracles. I ask you, Lord, right now for that diabetes to leave that body right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command it to leave the bodies right now. Father, I thank you right now that the rotator cuff, there's someone here with a a right shoulder, the rotator cuff, you've been having problems with it. Stop moving your arm and start seeing what God's doing. There's creative miracles that's happening in here, who is that with the right right shoulder? Start moving your arms. Start moving it. Do something you hadn't been able to do, and start feeling a difference in it. If something's happening right now, Father. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're stirring, yes. Father. I come against demonic powers that have held up in the heavenlies answers, answers that have been held up. Lord, we command those things to be loosed. And messages to begin to come. Lord, we're expecting angelic visitations to begin to come forth in this body. Lord, move upon them right now. Cataracts, you have to go in the name of Jesus. Those of you that are dealing with cataracts right now, put your hands over your eyes right now. Command them to leave right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I curse it right now. And we bless their eyes that they would see and see clearly right now. Read and be able to read clearly right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. There's someone in here that on your right side, there's some pain right right in the front right here, just a little bit from the center part of your stomach on the right side if that's you wave your hand at me in the back in the name of Jesus we command a blessing to be on my brother we come against the infirmity right now in the name of Jesus father we speak to that liver right now in the name of Jesus is it a liver problem it's a liver problem father right now let it be flexible Father, I ask you, Lord, that you'd restore his liver in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your right side, sir. Father, right now, heal his body. Heal him right now. Let the pain be removed in the name of Jesus. Let him sleep well tonight. Even on his right side, let him sleep, Lord. Let him sleep on his back, Lord, where he's had a struggle sleeping on his back, Lord. Let him be able to flip and turn all night long without having any pain, Lord. In the name of Jesus, touch him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just felt something come into the room. I tell you, there's angels in the place right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Someone, someone has a, a, a valve in the heart that's giving you some problems. You got a bad report on a valve. Is that someone wave at me if that's you? That's you? Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, right now, reach your hands towards the man in the blue shirt. Father, we command this valve to operate properly. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, Heal his body right now. Open that thing up, oh God. Father, Where that it's been been dragging and calcium has been uh, uh, gathering around it. Lord, we we command it to be loosed right now. And the next time that he's at the doctor's office and has some kind of uh, uh, procedure, not a procedure, but some kind of investigation about it, they're going to say, we don't know what happened, but everything's okay. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we declare it over Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Somebody give a good shout right now. Amen. Amen. Come on! Come on! Clap your hands. It don't cost you nothing to clap your hands. Mandere bando koso don't mande. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom how to handle Your Word. Give us wisdom how to handle the prophetic. Word that has been spoken over our life. Father, help us to have wisdom to be able to manage a move of your spirit. Help us to manage a move of your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we want to do it right. And we want to know we're right. We don't want to be guessing with it. We want to know we're right. And we want to do it right. Father, touch us right now. Clear our mind. Clear our mind of every ill effect that our past has tried to speak over us. We're not listening to our past. We're not even observing our present. We're looking into our future. And our future is bright. Our future is well. Father, touch your people. Lord, I ask you right now angelic visitations to come to him. Let your presence come upon this family like never before. And let them see. Let them see things that they've never seen before, oh God. Bless them right now in the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Touch them, Lord. Touch them right now. Touch my sister right now. Father, every hurt, every pain right now. Lord, we speak peace over them. Let there be a rejoicing. Lord, she carries the weight. She carries the weight of things. And and the what-ifs, what-ifs, what-ifs seems to be heavy. Lord, we need you to move right now. We thank you for a strong, strong woman. That has insight. But Lord, I ask you to comfort her soul right now. Comfort her soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Touch her, Lord. Touch her, oh God. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 We're going we're gonna to see in times coming little children prophesying, speaking the word of God, and some adults are going to be afraid of what they're about to expose. It's about to start happening. Fight a good fight and let God fulfill the harvest for your life.
4: Amen.
2: I want to say something to this little young man right here who carries such a prophetic legacy on his life at such a young age. It's just all over him and it's it's generational. And just like uh, in the word of God, we would read how that the kings, each, each king as it came forth, you know, they, those kings that would did evil in the sight of God, they would do more evil than the previous and more evil. But in the legacy of the Holy Spirit of God, we excel. You're going to go far beyond every generation of the legacy that is before you. But this is what I felt so strongly in my spirit, is to encourage you to have fun and be a little boy and enjoy life. The passion for the move of the Spirit is so on you that if you've not already begun to hear God's voice, you will be soon and having visitations of the Holy Spirit. And you will be, I didn't know what he was going to say, but you will be one that's going to have words from very young age, if you've not already, that you can share with your parents and then sometimes to share with other people as the Holy Spirit gives you, you know, release. I know uh, when my kids were little and they started getting words, they would bring them to us. and, And if it bore witness with us, then we would say, come on, you give that word to that person. And I know that your parents will help you cultivate that gift and do the same thing. But have fun. Enjoy life. So many times, preacher's kids, as my husband hit on a while ago, The the expectation of us to be perfect is such a heavy expectation that it's hard for us to feel like we can just be normal and just maybe have an attitude one day. I'm not telling you it's okay to have a bad attitude, but it's okay to be real. It's okay to be real And, and to forgive yourself if that happens and let the Holy Spirit work in you to cultivate it better. But play ball. Have fun. I don't know. Y'all play soccer or whatever y'all do. Have fun. And in the places where you're having fun serving God, he will open opportunities for you to minister to others. Other families will watch you, and they will say, Wow, I wish my little son had in his life what he has. And it can draw them to the kingdom of God. You know, one of the things in what Garland was sharing tonight in the Word, and he was talking about... um, I believe it was Abinadab. I got the names maybe mixed up. I should know all this because I, I grew up, you know, on chewing my uh, – teething on the pew, you know, because church is all we've ever known. But I believe it was Abinadab that it, it, that it was said that the children grew up with the Ark of the uh, Covenant there and around – is that what you said? I know it went to the house of Obed-Edom and all that Obed-Edom had was blessed, but prior to that it was in Abinadab, right? Okay, We have to be careful that we don't become so comfortable and our children so comfortable with the anointing and the presence of God. When there are churches, they haven't heard a prophetic word ever, or maybe not in years. They're not accustomed to that. We want it to be the norm, but we want them also to honor that. Oh, we got to teach them to honor that. And it's a challenge when it's your norm, it's your everyday. We grew up seeing altars filled. Blind eyes open, all those things, and it can become commonplace. I remember the first time, I'll say this, and I'll turn it to you. I'm not the one preaching tonight, but I'll say this. The first time that we visited the Brownsville Revival, they asked me to get up and say something and to greet the people. And I was such a nervous wreck because, for many reasons, but I won't go into. But I stood there, and I said, you know, all that keeps coming to me is to be a pyromaniac. I said, a pyromaniac has an irresistible urge to go around sparking fires. Now, we've got matches for you when you walk out today. No, I'm teasing. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Uh, to spark fires in the spirit, of what we have received. We have the responsibility, you and I not to let the fan, the, the flame die down. We've got to stir up the embers of the gift of God that is within us, and we have a responsibility to be a pyromaniac where you can't control yourself. You have an irresistible urge, a compulsion in you to go around and spark Fires everywhere you go, but never take for granted what you've experienced. Under the leadership of this bishop, this man of God, all of you are here because of your connection to this man of God, this bishop who has done that in your sight, who has stirred fires everywhere he goes. Do that. Take that impartation and cultivate it in your seed. Cultivated in your churches, in your ministries. Teach those children that they're never too young for God to speak to and through them. Teach those children to lay hands on people and see them delivered and set free. Spark the fire, fan the flame. Amen. Praise
4: the Lord. Hallelujah. Did y'all receive something tonight? I think so. Well, let's give the Lord a praise. Just lift your hands one more time. Hallelujah. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your outpouring upon us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and the sweetness of your presence. Now be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow morning, Brother Richard Jones, Brother Isaac Gutierrez, and we'll have lunch here again tomorrow, and then we'll have the banquet. That's at the Westwood Banquet Center. It's next to Fazoli's, across from the El Acapuco, which is funny because we got Casa Grande going to cater it for us with the fajitas. So anyway, we're going to have a good time all day. Come on, Amen. God bless you. Be friendly. I don't know if you're going to make it to Applebee's though. I think. It's already 10 after 10. 10.15 <laughs> is coming in five minutes. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Yeah, it's a great Friday night.